So as you notice, I am not alone on the couch today. I have my wife, Ashley, with me. Ashley is joining the podcast, not really joining the podcast. You've been part of the podcast since the beginning. So when I first came up with the idea to do the podcast, Ashley was involved in that. She helped me direct it toward interviewing other doctors instead of just sitting there talking to the camera myself. So she's been a part of the podcast from the very, very beginning. True. But she's been behind the scenes. And I figured we'd pull her from behind the scenes in front of the camera. One, because she's pretty cute. And two. <laughs> well, I do what I can. But, uh, <laughs> but also, I'm not in the medical field. So that's the main reason I think she is a great voice for the podcast, because she's not in the medical field. When I've had people on, I've noticed that a lot of the doctors, nurses, we have a special lingo. We have phrases that we use, words that we use that I don't think everybody else understands. Ashley, she's been around me for so long that I think uh, hopefully she'll be able to call us out on what we use, but she's used to medical lingo. But I think she also is outside of medicine enough that she knows when it's not something that other people would understand. Well, I would call myself medicine adjacent just because we've been married through all the training, all the learning, all the, all the stories, all the everything. So I've heard them before and I'm familiar. However, I'm not, I don't live it day to day. I don't work in that arena. So hopefully we can keep it more accessible, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing, just making it accessible for everybody else that's listening. So it's not just mm -hmm. something for people that are in the medical field. And hopefully when I interview other people, when Ashley's there, they're going to be able to correct themselves or just know the right words to use, just having her be part of it. Yeah. And my other qualification that we decided is I'm nosy <laughs> and I ask a lot of questions. So you want to know all the things. I want to know all the things and I will ask all the things. So, and this is, we're filming this intro right before we have nurse Corley on. And even in that first episode, nurse Corley caught herself. <laughs> she used a term and then before Ashley could even say, what is that term? Corley was yeah. able to correct herself. Yeah. So I think already it's been beneficial to have you on the podcast. Yeah. And it's also taking some of the load off of me to know when to jump in, to ask a question, when to let people just talk. So having a second voice, especially somebody outside of medicine, I think will make the podcast more interesting for everybody. Well, also, I get to talk to some of my friends because a lot of these people that you're talking to, we've known for a long time. And Coralie is one of those people and they just don't, they don't get better than Coralie. So uh, I got to kind of cut my teeth on, on a buddy and somebody that if I needed a nurse, I would 100% be like, yes, she's it. That's the nurse. That's my nurse. That's who I want. So I hope you enjoy this episode with nurse Corley and now with Ashley and Ashley will be a part of the podcast from here on out. And so you'll be seeing a lot of her as well. Let us know if you like this edition, if you don't like this edition, and uh, we'll either keep me around or boot me out. <laughs> I will not boot her out. <laughs> this is On Call with Dr. Dave. Today I'm talking to Nurse Corley, and Nurse Corley and I met when we were both living in Georgia. So she was not a nurse when I first met her. She was actually in mm -hmm. school to become a nurse, and I was Did doing my residency. Did you decide to become a nurse when we were there? Um, let's see. When you entered you... into like you were deciding, I feel like. Oh, 2013. Were you guys mm -hmm. there? So yeah, I just there. Yeah. Finishing my prereq. So I like literally started nursing school. That's right. Okay. That's right. 
Because I remember a lot of the time I was there, you were in nursing school. So we were there 2013 to 2016. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you started nursing school, because I remember sometimes you'd be in nursing school and then you'd come over to the eye clinic after clinicals or a different time. So <laughs> yeah. Have some stuff and talk to the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Nurse Corley, you've been, we we're talking, you've done some home health visits, you've been on the floors, you've been in the VA. So, I think you have a wide breadth of just different experiences, different patient populations. So, I'm mm-hmm. guessing you have some pretty amazing stories just from your time as a nurse. I have some really interesting stuff. I think the VA really yields that. And we were kind of discussing that just even a second ago, just how the VA seems to, it's its own animal. You know, I, I think <laughs> the medicine period has some really good stories, but the VA really, you just kind of can't match. And I know that you, you get this because you did, you know, some clinicals and things there mm-hmm. for a long time. But, um, but people are really interesting. You see a really <laughs> wide breadth of people. <laughs> there's, just, there's just some really interesting things, particularly with like PTSD and stuff like that. We had some, we've had some, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me to like, if you have yeah. first, or you well, want me to like expound on some of the stuff that yeah like if you, if you had any specific stories but like you said mm-hmm. even the just the ptsd the number of soldiers that have that even mm-hmm. when i woke people up in rounds in the morning at okay. the va i would wake them up by shaking their feet mm-hmm. i would not go up to their head because if you startled the wrong vet that had combat experience you oh, could yeah. take a punch in the face that you didn't want so oh, even right. how you approach a patient at the va is slightly different than even what you do at a regular hospital. Well, and that's interesting that you say that because one of the stories um, initially that I was thinking of when I was trying to think of some like really good stuff to share is this one, this guy was actually not my specific patient, but um, but we all kind of helped each other, especially mm-hmm. at nights. And, um, and this guy, he told my coworker, he said, listen, I have really, really bad night terrors. You know, he was, I want to say this guy had been on like, back to back, like four or five tours, which is a Ooh, little ridiculous. Like That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he just said, like, you really can't touch me. If you need me, like call me from across the room. Um, well, we started to hear some like motion, <laughs> commotion, <laughs> I guess, in yeah. the room. And we were pretty close to him. And I am telling you guys, it was like, um, it was like World War Three in there with the vitals machine. <laughs> he like, wow. literally was half asleep. And I think he had the vitals machine like this. I mean, with both oh, arms around oh. it. And, um, and was trying desperately, you know, for, to fend for his life. Um, and then once he finally, I mean, it got so bad, we had to have like the, the security come and kind of help with it. Um, mm-hmm. Once he woke up, you could tell he wasn't even totally awake. So once... Um, so once they were able to come in and he kind of woke up more, you could tell he was just a really good guy. And so it was really hard to, it was hard to witness that, but it's certainly that whole night we were like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you could have been there, <laughs> this guy is ready to go on a rampage. So. Yeah, and he's not even awake to interact or to talk oh. to you. And he's in the middle of something and something's happening in his brain. And mm-hmm. you're not part of that. It's not part of the real world. And yeah. that's, that's the crazy thing about the PTSD. What's happening wow. in that moment to them is real. And it's just as real as the thing that gave them that horrible memory. That's but right. 
we we don't see what they see and we can't really jump in and help sometimes. No, that's the truth. You know, I had, interestingly enough, this, this coworker had, her husband was a Marine and, um, and he, for whatever reason, decided to go hunting or they went shooting, I think like two weeks after he got back from a, from a tour. And she said that they were just sitting and, um, and all of a sudden somebody shot one of the guns and he literally like threw her on the ground and jumped over the top of her because he felt, you know, mm-hmm. like they were in danger. Oh, wow. This is totally, I feel like that's consistent. When I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to enough veterans now, there are instances like that, that where it's, and it like breaks my heart because they really feel it. They're like mm-hmm. they're in danger, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and it's not the same as what the rest of us see for sure. Well, it's really sweet that his first instinct also was to protect his wife, though. I, I think that's very sweet that he took her mm-hmm. and made sure she was safe first. So even that moment where he's in terror, his first instinct was to protect. So yeah. I love I love that because a lot of military guys join the military to protect. Um, a lot of people in medicine, we want to heal and we want to like help people. And the military, they, they want to help people as well. And it's this protection thing. So I, I do love that there's a lot of research going on right now to help our veterans to work on PTSD. I That's think some of the new medicines coming mm-hmm. out are going to be really helpful because those guys see things and go through things that normal humans should not. Yeah. Even in the medical field, I feel like sometimes we go through some things and we have to deal with really heavy things. And then we just have to go home and function. And I talked to my sister, who's a nurse, and she felt the same that we just never get to decompress and so it just builds and we have to that to a level but we still we can think about it we don't have that adrenaline we don't have that huge trauma response usually unless we've experienced like a very specific trauma in the hospital that's probably um, not in the, danger the, yeah we're not in danger usually yeah. and so yeah like it doesn't yeah, really hit the same but yeah those mm-hmm. veterans i mean they they see things that the human mind just really shouldn't be seeing like it, it, it circumstances they shouldn't be in and but uh, they get into it to help people and to protect. Mm-hmm. And then they need our help on the other end to get through some things too. Well, and I feel like this is kind of the constant conversation. So now my job is way more focused on mental health um, mm-hmm. and taking care of these guys. Well, I would say maybe not totally because we do we do assess like their ADLs and stuff. Their mm-hmm. activities of daily living. What's your ADL? Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. We can, cut, we can cut that so you can ask it before they can answer. We can make it look like there's a perfect flow there. <laughs> so no, the we're good. activities of daily living. So that's, okay. that's one of the things that we, we definitely focus on, but the mental health. And you measure, like you measure that to see just how far in, in distress they are. If their acti- daily living is interrupted. So the, so the, the program with, I work with, that I work with right now is really, um, that we look a little more heavily now on activities of daily living, which are like dressing and bathing and doing things like that. Um, but it, there is a huge mental health piece and it used to be a little more focused on that. Um, but they've kind of flip flopped a little bit. So (laughs) now we have a lot of like really the older, like, uh, older Vietnam and some of the Korean war vets, you know, mm, yeah. like we have more of that era in our program, but, um, but no, I think that it's interesting because I find myself saying to them often, these guys who've been through some really like super hard stuff, 
and things that aren't normal. That's what I tell I'm like, this mm-hmm. is not, it's not normal mm-hmm. what you go through. Mm-hmm. We have one guy who just total good guy, really trying to like make things, you know, as normal as possible again. And he said, you know, you grow up your whole life. And he, he said, I grew up Baptist and he's like, and you're taught your whole life that killing is wrong, you know? And he's like, and then you go to war and it's like, that's not how it is. But then you come back home and you're supposed to be normal again. You're or whatever normal is, but you're supposed mm-hmm. to just come back into society. Well, that's not how it works. Um, and growing up in Fort Benning, well, I grew up close to Fort Benning in Georgia. And um, we had some guys that came through and there was this one, um, I think he was, I don't know if he was a psychologist or just um, a therapist for the guys on base, but he just happened to talk to my mom one time and just said, I tell these guys, and he's like, it's not normal. <laughs> what yeah. they're going through yeah. is not normal. And mm-hmm. There really is kind of an adjustment, you know, like you have to learn that, that what you went through was not okay as necessary Mm -hmm. as it was for our peace and for us to be safe. You coming back home, like there's a lot to go through. And I tell them a Mm -hmm. lot of times, you've got to talk to somebody, whether you tell me stuff, you don't have to tell me stuff, but you got to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. So that's, that piece is important. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think we need to focus more on that, especially, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously just mental health in general, but especially with our soldiers. Now, yeah. with the the VA, the, the, I can think of just so many funny stories from the Veterans Hospital, just the way they interact with people, just who they are. I remember one vet one time, he, he was a little demented but not super demented and at night it got a little bit worse and we had some medicines on board because we were trying to get his heart into a good rhythm and he knew he was hallucinating he knew it he could tell you doc i'm hallucinating and i say oh is there anything i can do he says no i'm really enjoying it i'm dancing with this lovely young lady and so he's having this vivid hallucination where he's like at a party dancing but he's aware it's a hallucination i'm like how how vivid is hallucination if you know it's not real but he was just having a great time so i said do you need help going to sleep he's like no doc i'm i'm having a great time just uh if you just leave me alone i'd really appreciate that i said okay you you have fun <laughs> I just thought, pulling at the va you know this guy hallucination doc, just leave me to it i'm, I'm enjoying myself here <laughs> Let me handle that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, had the other, we had the total other end too. I maybe told you about this experience. We had a guy that literally was, I mean, he was insane, like insane. And he did not, it was maybe not quite hallucinating. It was more maybe just delusional. <laughs> he mm-hmm. thinking that his son was going to come get him and he was needed to leave and all this stuff. But he at, one point we had him in restraints, you know, like it was really, it was really bad. And then we had to keep him sedated. Well, one time he had, you know, come a little bit out of that sedation and he literally started walk, like almost jogging down the hall to leave. And I was following him, but at a safe distance, <laughs> I was yeah. like, Hey, you got to come back to your room. You got to come back to your room. Like you can't leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this isn't safe. We got to make sure that you have somebody, you know, with you to take care of you. And he started yelling so loud, 
like so loud. And here I am thinking this guy, like he kind of got closer to me. He turned around, he starts, Mm -hmm. he gets closer. And all of a sudden I'm like, this guy's going to attack me. And I turn around because he is yelling so loud and literally like three fourths of the floor is behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Like chief nurse and everybody had heard him yelling, but they were behind me. I'm like thinking I'm about to get pummeled by this guy. (laughs) Yeah. There's a man. You have your guy dancing and then you have, you know, guys that are a rocker. (laughs) And and it's, and it's all good. Every, every piece of it is really good. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what what brings people to the hospital is not always what they what we actually deal with when they're in the hospital. Sometimes people come just for a weird heart rhythm issue or a breathing issue. That's and then right. while they're there, we learn a lot about what else is going on in their life. And we, we start to uncover some things that maybe were unknown before. Sure. And then the whole focus of why they're there and how safe it is to go home will shift dramatically. Oh, that's As a right. nurse. You probably see that like oh, your front line on that. That's right. That's right. Because you, and especially when I was on the floor, that was just like, because you're the eyes and ears, right? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I was just thinking about this guy who I actually think he came in for like, um, he really, he like hadn't had a bowel movement for multiple days or something. And then he said, I'm trying to remember if he had like a congestive heart failure um, issue. And so he was, I know he, I remember him being really swollen. I can't remember. This has been, it's been a little minute, but um, I remember him looking at me. Number one, he said he was related to um, John F. Kennedy. And I was like, oh, oh good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and he seemed, I mean, he could have been, it could have been real anyway. But he's a was, special blanket then. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll give you the good room then, sir. Yeah, it's a good pillow. Love you. <laughs> Let me take you to our best suite. Sure. Uh, anyway. But he was super nice. But I just remember he was so direct with us and kept saying, hey, this isn't like, I don't feel right. Something feels weird. Well, we could tell he like needed to have a bowel movement. So we're giving him like enemas and stuff like that. And I keep calling the doctor and I'm like, hey, listen, this guy just he's he keeps saying, I really feel off like something's wrong with me. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and so the doctor comes and looks at him and he's like, "Okay, I want you to give him another enema. It had had been a little while, a few hours so I was like, okay. And I had no lie. He had been gone for like five minutes and this guy turned blue on me. Like he really, <laughs> he like, he totally. And, and the craziest part was I walked back in and he, this is what he said. He goes, I need, I need emergency help right now. That's what he said. It was like the craziest thing. And I don't know that he came in just like you were saying, thinking like I'm about to have a heart attack or something like that. No, it wasn't like that. It was more like, I feel pretty crummy. I really need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know? Oh, and weird. then he turned blue and that was probably the scariest thing I had ever seen because it was so like he was talking to us and he said it just matter of fact, you need to get emergency people here for mm-hmm. me right now. And within minutes he was blue and we were doing CPR. Wow. <laughs> it. It, was, wow. It, it was beautiful, but yeah, that was, and, that was did you find out what was going on? Did he just, did he have a heart attack? Was it some sort of rhythm issue? 
Yeah, I want to say that he did end up having a heart attack, but it wasn't major. Um, and uh, I, it's, that one has been a little minute, so I don't remember all the details, but I do mm-hmm. think he had, a, he had a small, you know, infarction, heart attack. Oh, um, so, heart, yeah, heart event. Heart event. Heart well, event. I do think that we need to somehow... Now, this sounds a little crazy because as a doctor, sometimes I've heard people say some crazy things that have no no basis in fact. And when we find out at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with it, what they were complaining of. But on the reverse side, sometimes people just know they don't feel right. Mm-hmm. And so and they may not know the reason why. So sometimes when people say, I think this because of this reason, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And it's quick. We're a little too quick to blow them off or to say, Ah, that's not right. Oh, that doesn't make sense. But right. they don't know why they feel off. And so they're trying to make up reasons why, but they just know they don't feel right. So I do think that when somebody just knows something's off and we're not quite getting to it, digging a little deeper makes sense. But it's, it's hard to do because, you know, for every story where somebody, you know, felt like he was a little off and needed to have a bowel movement and call for emergencies, there's a bunch of stories where nothing happens. You know, people come into the ER I, you know, I'm sure you've seen this too. Like somebody yeah. comes in the ER because they stubbed their toe when you say, you came in for a stubbed toe? Oh yeah, I thought it might be broken. And yeah. then you find out they came in like via ambulance because they stubbed their toe and you think, oh. can, we give so, you, can we give you a list of when you should go to the ER? <laughs> yeah, exactly. These are emergencies and these are not emergencies. So for every one of those, there's somebody else that's really trying to get help. And it's, the, the tricky thing about medicine isn't necessarily knowing all the right diseases, the right symptoms, but just people are people and they can't always describe it in the right term. And sometimes they overreact. Sometimes they underreact. I had a patient that completely underreacted. He came in on a Monday. This is the same thing. My intern year, he came in on Monday. I was doing my regular like outpatient clinic and taking care of people. And I said, Oh, Mr. J, how was your, how was your weekend? Did you do anything fun? He says, Oh, I actually had a heart attack over the weekend. Oh, I said, Oh wow! I, I'm surprised they discharged you and you're back in clinic. Like, what what happened? He says, "Oh, I didn't go to the hospital. I knew I had an appointment with you, so I just decided to come to the uh, the doctor's appointment today. No no sense going to the hospital twice." Oh oh my god! <laughs> this was definitely an emergency. <laughs> and so I I I want to just think, oh, he had a little indigestion. He, I I don't want to overreact. It's okay, if he had a heart attack over the weekend. Why would he even know he had one if he didn't go to the hospital? But I take it really seriously because that's a serious thing to tell your doctor. I get an EKG. I get the troponins, which are a lab that you test to see if there's been damage to the heart. Definitely. Mm -hmm. New heart attack. He had a heart attack definitively over the weekend. I get him admitted to the hospital. And I think that is the most underreaction that you should have gone to the hospital when you're having a heart attack. But he just said, oh, you don't have an appointment in 48 hours. I'm just going to wait for that. Oh my gosh. And you're kind of like, do you know that you, like, you could have died? You could have died. Yeah. Yeah. And then, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do nurse, nurse Corley, I wanted to ask you. So I'm sure that over the years, the medicine, you've gotten better at, you know, the medicine, but do you feel like the, that reading people is really where, do you feel like you've just gotten better reading people? Oh, yeah. And which makes you a better nurse, the medicine or the people? Do you feel like the people. the people? I think you forget. And I mean, tell me if this is right for you too. 
Dave, because I feel like, um, I feel like some of the stuff, if you don't use it all the time, you do forget it, you know, like you mm-hmm. have to go back. Like uh, there are times where I'm like, Oh, let me wait a second. Let me go read. Let me go read up on this for just a minute and make sure that I'm remembering it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but I think some of that, I mean, some things will just always stay and your, and your general knowledge, right. With, with medicine, I think stays, but then I think some of those particulars, like I don't deal quite as much with, cause I'm not giving medication, you know, I mm-hmm. obviously see their lists of medication, but I know when somebody needs maybe extra help, like there've been people, uh, maybe more like where I was worried about them being in an environment that could be dangerous or something like that. So in that way, yes, definitely reading people. But I think too, back to um, the the previous point, I feel like in in nursing school, they, they really harped on this, but then I feel like it, my practice, I saw that it was the same where they would say, listen to the people who take care of the patient or listen to what the patient is saying. Hey, you know, normal blood sugar is between 60 and 100. For some people, they can go down to 40 or 30 and they are still talking to you. (laughs) They're still like wide awake and totally fine. For some people, they are totally gone. (laughs) You know, some people can have a sugar of 500 and like they walk, they're walking around and acting like nothing's wrong, you know, and we're like really serious you know, critical labs. And so, so I think when you have somebody telling you, Hey, when my blood pressure looks like this, this is when there starts to be an issue for me. When my, Mm -hmm. when, you know, when my heart rate is like this, and sometimes it's like, it doesn't, it's not the normal things that you learn in school, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that was definitely, I feel like over the years that has, it has absolutely been more of like, knowing, knowing how to read people and how to say, okay, I, I think we need to look into that, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, cool. I think it's important. So, and then I also have another question for you. Just one more. Sure. Um, can you think of a time, like a story that just kind of solidified you're like, yes, this is what I meant to do. Like I'm meant to be a nurse. Ooh. Is there like a definitive story that solidified that for you? Or were there, are there many? Well, I feel like, you know, I just, I just touched on this, um, actually recently because I found, you know, my grandmother's a nurse and my dad's a nurse. And then I have, a, I have a cousin that's a nurse too. And I don't think I ever actually, um, like it wasn't like when I was young, I was like, Oh, I'm definitely going to be a nurse, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there were actually two things that really, um, I think solidified it for me. And one was a, a commercial <laughs> for, um, for Red Cross. And I was, I was sitting in my little, uh, college apartment in Rexburg and I saw this commercial come on and it literally, I, I seriously picked sports medicine because I was like, Oh, I like sports and I like I think medicine will be cool. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, really, I had no idea. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, this just sounds interesting. And so, um, so I started that, but when I saw that commercial, it really was like this little whisper and like, Hey, this is, this is where you're meant to be. So then I applied to nursing school and I didn't, their nursing school is like ridiculous to get into. Like they really only let, like, I think it's like 30 people in (laughs) and Mm. you have to have like, 
you know, 3.9 with 16 numbers after it, you know, <laughs> and they really did say where your GPA needed to be. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not quite there. Um, so anyway, um, but then I, the other experience that I think after I had gone through some of life was we were sitting at church and this man started slumping over. He was sitting mm-hmm. and then he would slump. And then he, and then he would sit back up and then he would kind of slump, you know, and we had several nurses and a doctor that went to church with us. And, um, and it was so interesting because I felt this immediate, I want to know what to do. Like, I want to help this man. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's going on with him. And I went home that day and told Jonathan, my husband, Um, I said, I really need to go back to school and I know I'm supposed to be a nurse. And, um, it was probably one of the most solidifying experiences that really, I mean, like more than so many things in my life (laughs) that really Mm -hmm. into it. And then the VA specifically, I feel like that was not, I wanted to do labor and delivery (laughs) y'all. Don't we all? Not a, not a bunch of old veterans. They wanted to be around the cute little babies, not grumpy old men. I, just, like, that was, I was totally like, yeah, put me with like brand new babies and let me snuggle them. Not that you actually get to do that. Mm-hmm. Time. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I was talking to this um, kind of cantankerous nurse that I worked with who I just adored. She was uh, an old sailor. And she cussed like one. <laughs> like a boss. <laughs> she, but she was one of my favorite human beings. Um, and she had been on that floor forever. And I remember talking to her as a brand new baby nurse and just being like, I would come to her all the time and ask her questions. Okay, so what do I need to do in this situation? And how would you handle this with this guy? And this is what's going on with, you know, I mean, like a million different things. And she was so sweet about it. Um, but I remember asking her what, what makes you stay at the VA? Like, why would you, why did you choose this? And she just looked at me and said, Corley, I would be nowhere else. I would be nowhere else. These are my comrades. These are my friends. And Mm -hmm. that stuck with me. And the more I took care of these guys, mostly guys, there were some females, but really Mm -hmm. you you've experienced this day where there's a lot of men. So, but I really found that I fell in love with like, even the most grumpy, like the worst attitudes. I loved them so much. And I have found myself saying the same thing. I would not be anywhere else as, as much as the VA has sometimes has, I would say sometimes gets a bad reputation. (laughs) Sometimes People have negative things to say about it. Sometimes they don't like the care that they get in certain VAs, but I would not be anywhere else. I really, really love it. I love my veterans so much. (laughs) So those are all my stories. (laughs) I'm glad you felt the call to be a nurse and I'm glad you stuck with it and that you're with our veterans. They Mm -hmm. need people that care. And I, I do think, you know, for a long time, the VA did have a well-deserved bad reputation. But I think over the last 20, 30 years, it's really improved quite a bit. It's changed dramatically. And there's still some longer waits and maybe it's a little understaffed. 
but they they actually looked at it, and people at the VA tend to have really good outcomes. They they attract really good doctors, really good nurses, people that want to be there. That's right. And these guys, if, you know, some of the po- politics or what gets covered or doesn't get covered, some of the you know government uh, <laughs> run oversight <laughs> don't don't quite run as well as it should. But yeah, the care at the VA is amazing, and I don't think it's I don't think there's any hospital out there that really has you know the care that some of these vets get because people that stay in the VA, some of the doctors and nurses are some of the best that they have. And I do think they feel called to be there and that's the place they need to be. And yeah, I'm glad to have you. Oh, thank you. I love, love, love being a nurse. And I really do like the, the VA is the best. I feel like that, that I echo that sentiment. I feel like some of the, I've, you know, done clinicals in other places and worked in another hospital. And I really just, it's, it, it's special. There's something really special as, as much as I, I tell the people all the time, you know, it's broken. Okay. There's pieces of it that are broken <laughs> and, and things get backed up and they lose paperwork or they can't find, you know, stuff they need, but, but it's not when it comes down to the care I have probably had, I mean, I would say probably 85% uh, or more, uh, you know, that have said that they are just super happy they feel like, like even exceeded their expectations. Oh, I love, I would, wouldn't go anywhere else for my care, mm-hmm. you know? And so I really, um, I appreciate that because I feel like I'm a, I'm a military, uh, baby to some degree, even though I didn't, you know, travel around with my daddy was already out of the military, but I have a lot of military in my family. And I feel like these guys really need, they need a lot of love and support. You kind of touched on that in the beginning. They really do need they need um, a specific set of skills and compassion, I think. So, well, if the VAs are full of Coralies, sign me up <laughs> for it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, Coralie, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you spending the evening with us and taking some time out from your kids and your husband and, and work and all the things that you have to do. Thank you for talking with us and thank you again for everything. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You guys are the best. (laughs) You're the best.